Welcome to the Who's Your Mob podcast. My name's James Henry, and this is my attempt to do a bit of a podcast. I figure that there are going to be a few people interested in the work that I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing a fellowship through VCA called the Hutchinson Fellowship, and it is to find out a bit more about traditional Aboriginal music and see if there's ways to be able to incorporate elements of that music, whether it be the lyrical content, song structure, melodies, rhythms, timbres, instrumentation, a whole bunch of different things which would have some value in today's musical landscape, especially as you have a lot of young people becoming more and more interested in hip-hop and R&B, not having as much connection with the the sounds and the language of their ancestors. I consider myself in that category as well, although I'm probably a little bit more interested in the electronic dance music side of things and the singer-songwriter side of things than the hip-hop, but it is something that I do want to be connected to. I find that no matter what style of music, when you just have voice and it might be you know just the clapsticks or voice and the yadaki, then it can be quite hard to compete with people who have that million dollar production. These superstars such as your Kendrick Lamar's and your Kanye Wests. So I do see that through 60,000 years of culture, there must be some value in these sounds and these stories that is worth finding ways to be able to have them be a little bit more appealing to the younger generation, a little bit more appealing to myself as well, as I am more and more used to listening to SoundCloud and the diversity of music there with the rich range of sounds and frequencies and instrumentations, genres, that it would be great to see and hear a little bit more Aboriginal sound, Aboriginal content filter into the 21st century mainstream. So hopefully I get to have some conversations with a lot of interesting people I've got a few people in mind. I've already had four conversations so far, and that is including Uncle Kutcher Edwards, who will be on this particular pod. Uh, This fellow over in the Cook Islands, I was lucky enough to be over there. I got to chat with a traditional drummer about Cook Island culture and Cook Island drumming. Uh, I've already had a chat with Kimberly Moulton, She travels around the world representing the Melbourne Museum and our people, I guess, through the museum. And she is also an art curator and has quite an in-depth insight into uh, traditional and contemporary Aboriginal art. And also uh, a fellow by the name of Saramza bin Saad, and he is a choreographer and... He's, I guess, walking that line between the traditional and contemporary through his dance creations, which are 
quite amazing. So it was nice to pick his brain about, you know, how he is able to navigate that divide and be able to create something, you know, cohesive despite this. So this first one with Uncle Kutcher Edwards, I was lucky enough to pop down to his place down on Phillip Island and we sat out on his balcony and we watched the afternoon sun go down and listened to the birds and yeah we got to have a bit of a chat about some of his process and yeah he gave me some advice in regards to how to navigate cultural protocols and yeah it was, it was quite helpful uh, it was a real treat as well to uh, sit down and and be able to pick his brain for you know a good hour and a half and it's great to be able to see him around Melbourne share the stage with him occasionally and I feel very honored to be presenting this podcast featuring Uncle Kutcher Edwards. To understand the um or misunderstand the complexities of traditional music. I believe that every song that I, I suppose I've ever written, and this is me trying to articulate my thought process, but not only my thought process, because if you talk about your thought process, you're trying to articulate what is in your intellect rather than what is in your being. Okay. Yeah, in your spirit. Yeah. So when I talk about thought process, I'm not just talking about my thought, uh, the thoughts that are in my head. I'm talking about the spirit that controls the vehicle that you know as Kutcher Edwards. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or that people outside me know as Kutcher Edwards. But I know me. Because I am my spirit. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, and some people don't know that. Some people look in the mirror and they just see the physicality that is there. Yeah. Because when you stare at yourself, you actually, yeah, yeah. A mirror is supposedly the mirror image of you standing there, or you staring at yourself. But as an Aboriginal person, my physicality is pointless to me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the mass, the mass that is me, is is void of. Because I am, I am my spirit connected to my ancestry, which is way beyond physicality. Okay. Yeah. And. Can other people see that, like in you, like outside yourself, or is that something that is internal? That's 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 other people's interpretation of me, okay. because I I am not them. Yeah. So it's their interpretation of what makes me me. Is yeah, uh, and I found yeah, I've, especially. Because the purpose, the purpose, you know, and, and I sort of explain it in a way that my understanding of me is, is I came into this, the being, way before the conception of me between my mum and my dad. 
Okay. Yeah. Because my spirit, my song line, my true connection to my mutty muttiness came into being way before my mum and dad met. Yeah, right. It's freaky. And but, but see, this is, yeah. So, this, yeah. So, so do you also share this same spirit with your brothers and sisters as well? Or see, yeah. I, I, I had a, not an argument, but a debate only three or four weeks ago. I had just done the, the gig for Old Brother Boy. Yeah, uh, Uncle Bunner. Yeah. yeah. And um, we were at an Airbnb and a cousin of mine came around with my niece. And, and uh, so I did that on the Thursday. We, we did that on the Thursday. And then on the Sunday I had to do uh, in the afternoon, I had to go to uh, Parkville Youth Detention Centre. Not a, not that I had to, but I went for three CR and I and uh, imparted, you know, a few stories and a few songs and and then in the afternoon I went back to the Airbnb and my cousin and niece came around and Fiona asked me. She said, "Oh, in front of all the." She goes, uh, how do you think it went? And I said, uh, I think you're asking the wrong person. And then they got gullied up because I gave that answer. And then they said, why, why, do, you, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you, you know, somebody asked you a question about how you felt it went. Shouldn't you say, oh yeah, it went great. And, and, uh, and then I had to say, listen, you need to ask that same question to the young fellas who, and a couple of women, and one of them who was my niece, and I think you need to ask them how they felt about me coming to the detention centre and how, how they thought the session went. Mm. I can sit there and pump up my own tyres just so you get the answer that you want, but you need to ask the kids or the people who come in contact with me, or my spirit, or my being. And they got upset because I'd... But it goes back, it goes way back to... to uh, I remember I was... I did... This is, this is years ago. And a guy, this, this, this real interesting Aboriginal guy, and I asked him, when did I last see you? It was in... Um, uh, Loddon Prison. I said, when did I last see you? And then I answered my own question. Wasn't it at, to all the guys, he goes, he asked me a question, he fucking answered this, his own question. I'll tell you something, Kutcher. When you ask a prisoner, especially an Aboriginal prisoner, a question, let him fucking answer it. Mm. So I don't, I have a tendency not to answer, and, and that's why I, I reply with that answer. Listen, you're asking the wrong person for a start. Mm. You're talking about how they felt when Uncle Kutcher walked in, you know, and sat yeah. with them for two or three hours. I think you need to ask that. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I have a tendency to, and, and they're, the, they're, the, they're the, 
the imprints and the footprints in the sand that people have left on my spirit. Not in my intellect, but in my spirit. And your grandfather and many people along the way have imparted, like you said it before, I'd like to sit and listen to your wisdom, you know. Mm. It's, 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 I only have the wisdom because I've been surrounded by wisdom, you know. And I've had the capacity, we all want to be fucking heard, but do we sit and listen? We're entertainers as such, so in a sense we want to we wanna be heard. It's about listening and, and interpreting not only what our intellect tells us, but what our spirit is telling us from these old, old, old people, you know. Mm. And so it's been a long, long journey, but you know, I believe, I believe that you know, when we talk about contemporary and traditional, you know, it's all the one thing to me. All, all, all the songs that I've ever written have come to me not in just mutty mutty language. They've come to me in my yora yora language, in my in my um, wachabolic language, in my uh, nari nari language, and all the languages that I descend from. But um, the common language that our people listen to now is English. Mm. So it's transposed through my supposed intellect into the common language that I now use, which is English. Yeah, but you've also written songs in, in, like, in muddy, yeah, in, muddy in language. Yeah. Muddy, muddy language. So uh, there still must be a difference between, say, singing in muddy, muddy and singing in English. Mm. Yeah, and well, why would you choose to then like write a song in Muddy Muddy language? It was, we had just, we, I'm saying we, um, the Black Arm Band had just finished. We were outside on uh, St Kilda Road. And then old man, you know, Pingu, keyboard player, he just finished opening a show called uh, Hidden Republic. And he sang a song in language to open the show and he sang a song in language to finish the show. We were out the front, out the front of, in St Kilda Road. And all my mates, you know, Brian Ann Kerbis and all these non-Indigenous people were, were just blown away by old man, you know, because he'd, he'd and that's the show that your grandfather narrated. Mm, yeah. yeah. And um, so all these people, that was amazing. I've seen an old man before and I've seen him perform. And, and then a niece came up, the same niece I was talking about in Tarelga. And she said, Uncle Kutcher, where's, where's our language? Where's Mutty Mutty language? And it really, yeah, it, it, it set me, and you, you look straight in there, there's a, there's a green book on the table there. It's from, oh, yeah. It's from Vackle. Yeah. Yeah, Victorian Aboriginal Corporation for Languages. I'd been immersed with a cousin brother of mine, Brando Morgan. Brando was working for um, Mirambiak, which, is, which was the... Uh, culture, I, can't, I can't remember, the land uh, 
uh, oh, what is it called? I can't remember what the organisation is. Victorian... Richard Franklin used to run it in North Melbourne. Uh, can't remember the name of the organisation. Yeah, it'll, it'll come to us later. It'll come to us. But he was where Brando was working for it, and and uh, a lot of the uh, he brought home a heap of um, cultural heritage groups. You know, uh, uh, let's say for the Wadi Wadi, which is Northwest Nations. You know, Bendy going up, all the Aboriginal nations through to my country, Narry Narry, Muddy Muddy, all up that way. But also in in reading through all the papers and folders and who's connected to who and what what language group you're from and native title stuff and were all these books of words and languages and so I'd already been sort of looking through it all and then my niece she started writing this little uh, head shoulders knees and toes in in language yeah so she had already been uh, the song line within her uh, must have been itching on her shoulder and in her spirit mm. and so we sort of and then that started because of the question posed to me where's where's mutty mutty language uncle have a look what i've done you know and so i sat down and i read Madayidi in english first and then i had to transpose it all in all back all back into mutty mutty language and I got assigned a linguist, her name was Julie Reed, through the Black Arm Band. We toot and throwed over four months or whatever, three months, as to what I'd actually written. And uh, over the internet, over, over emails, and she said, Kutcher, everything's correct. And that, that blows my mind because I am mutty mutty, you know what I mean? Mm. She goes, everything's correct, but in Aboriginal languages, you've got to reverse the, let's say, the connotation. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying, I want to go to the shop, you've got to, in a sense, sort of say, to the shop I go. Yeah. So that's how Aboriginal languages work. And so I had to reverse, reverse everything. And so I sent her back what I'd done. She goes, Kutcher, it's all correct. And she said, oh, do, you want to, do you want me to come around and tell you how to pronunciate words and articulate them in... This is a non-Indigenous woman, yeah, yeah, by yeah. the way. And I said, no. With all due respect, Julie, I respect what you do, but I've got to sit quietly and immerse myself in what I would believe my grandfathers and grandmothers, how they would interpret the language. Yeah. And so that's what I interpret as dreaming. We can be wide awake and dream. And that's what I truly believe that happens when you sit in silence in such a pristine, you know, Fair, fair enough. 
you can probably hear a TV way in the back of your of our of our existence here in in the contemporary you know 2017 but if you really want to connect to our dreaming it can happen you know mm. and then and you can enter that's the song line enter the the stream which is stick your finger in the coaxial cable of our dreaming and immerse yourself in it if you truly believe in it mm. and belief is 95 percent of my reality if I don't believe in what I'm saying, I might as well fucking finish tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I might as well say goodbye, you know. So, yeah, it's it's I'm a different cat when it comes to all that stuff, James. I'm a and I listen and I and I try and understand, but and like I said, understanding is trying to articulate through my intellect and memory of and that's what non-indigenous people—they'll persuade you to to. That's not reality. That's not that's not in our in the way that we as non-indigenous people would think. Well, you have the right to believe that, but don't deny Aboriginal people our belief system. You're denying us of us if you do that. Hmm. And that's what has been transpiring over 220, you know. 20-something years here on this continent, you know, denying us the right to our belief systems. Mm. I'm just getting back to that song. Uh, mm. Yeah, so what did you decide to write it about? Marayiri giganinyiri marambidjung niwinini wedungingi yageminu jegada duma dalyane I was born on the banks of the Murrumbidgee River with family always by my side standing strong, proud Mati Mati not knowing of what will soon be denied Yongada Yanga Mati Mati Yongada Yanga Mati 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 Dalyani, for we walk Mati Mati, we will talk Mati Mati, we will sing Mati Mati language. Madayiri Nyangadin Nabunanalai, Madayiri Nyangadin Kukingalalai, Madayiri Waripa. I never sat with my grandfather. I never spoke to my grandmother. I never sang or danced in a corroboree. So I, I read all that in English, but transposed it into Mati Mati, retransposed it into Mati Mati, because it would have come to me in the languages, but in my, in my intellect, I read it in English, mm. and then I had to Retranspose it into Mati Mati for the purpose of dirt song. And then I had people coming up to me, sort of remarking, Ah, oh, geez, you finally stepped up to the mark. And it's as if our existence is a test, as if life is a competition. And to say who's the best, mm. it's not. It's 
got nothing to do with who can be the best. It's about knowing who that, per, that way beyond the image that is you, knowing that you're connected to that, to old grandfather Mungo Man, you know, mm. and Nana too, you know. If I truly believe in in and what I believe in, then I am. I'm the great, 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 grandson of that old skeleton. Not that skeleton, but that spirit, that, that, because that old skeleton sat here just like you and me one day, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 years ago. He sat here looked across the way and thought, one day in 60,000 years time whether my great-grandson who's yet to come into the world will ever sing in our language, old girl. Mm. His name will be Kutcher Edwards. You know what? They would have had that conversation so many years ago. Blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, just yeah. We've been we've been forced to contemporise our our thinking, our way of being. But we're we've been forced into this predicament. We're we're the best adapters to environment ever on on the planet. Mm. Yeah. We've adapted to this. I'm just going to yeah. shoot this bird away. Just Pretty noisy. Which one? Just do you, is it? Yeah. I think they're having a fight or something. You <laughs> clap. All you got to do is clap and they go. Especially uh, mudlarks. What are, what are they called? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's all quite... <clears throat> all quite new to me. I'm seeing birds I've not seen up in Collingwood anyway. <laughs> and... So with this song, do you treat it any different to your other songs? Do you do it in your regular gigs or...? No, 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 I hardly sing it. Mm. I hardly sing it. Only, only in, a, in, a, in a special, you know, occasion do I ever... Especially in that, in that environment such as Parkville Youth Detention or... Marnsbury Youth Detention because there's a mix of African and Aboriginal mainly and, and a lot of Polynesians who were doing youth detention at the moment. So there's a kaleidoscope of languages that are spoken, you know. What I do is I sort of explain, you know, and I, and I talk about my forced removal and spending the time that I did, you know, 11 years in in detention. Not through the fault of my mother or father, but because of, you know, circumstance. And I sort of explain, listen, I'm 52 years old and I've spent, you know, 11 years in an institution not of my own religion, you know. And so I know what it's like. And I know that you speak your own language, because I saw you doing it just before, you know, three or four Africans sitting there, and, and the Polynesians, you know, and I know you speak language, and uh, 
But so do I, and so I'll sing Madaidi. Mm. Just to drop the pebble, you know. Let them know that I had to relearn that, you know. It hasn't been given to me, whereas you speak it fluently, you know. You Africans and you Polynesians. And my nephews and nieces sitting over here, we've been, we've been forced to speak English, just like you're being told to now, you know. And so language is, is more than just this audio that you hear, you know, rattle off someone's tongue. It's, it's about, you know, realising that our forefathers have spoken this language for millennia, you know. Mm. So it's this strong, gives a strong connection. And that's why when we were talking before we turned on this apparatus about Yothi Indi and how you hear, you hear the rhythms and the, especially in Javana, sunset dreaming. And then you hear that in the contemporary feel. Look at the sun, looking through the sky, look at the sunset, take my mind back to my homeland. And you can feel the rhythm. It's a story, it's a story. Anything in my mind, it's so clear, it's so clear. I remember, I remember all mine, all mine, all mine, all mine. Sunset dreaming, dreaming. Oh, Javana. Oh, So you hear all these, the, 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 the traditional form, but then you hear the contemporary the new contemporary form and, and you, it was just so brilliant how they moulded the, the two, mm. you know, not only in Chabana but all the, all the traditional songs that they got permission, you know, from, from their senior lawmen and law, law women, you know, mm. the holders of the business, you know, the holders of pure law to this, this continent, you know. Is there someone up in Muddy Muddy country that is a, a law keeper of sorts or? See, that's what I believe. That's what I believe I am. I believe I'm, I'm see, that in, in each family, you'll have certain people who have been given the responsibility to, to let say, the, the you know, I'm, I'm one of 12 kids in my family, you know. So you'll have the senior brothers and sisters who believe them to be the land uh, they'll go to all the, the native title meetings and that's their responsibility to make sure that not only uh, our nana and pop's business is kept true, but to protect the Edwards lineage. Edwards lineage being, being uh, a contemporary name, but we would have been connected to to traditional names, you know. And so there are members in the family who it's their job to do all the land justice stuff. 
And then you have the members in the family who are my sister, for instance. She's gone. Alice, she was the holder of all photographs that were ever taken of us, you know. She'd collate. She had this, you know, bit like Lisa Belair, you know what I mean? She, mm. My sister was fairly similar to Lisa Belair. Hundreds of thousands of... Well, Lisa had hundreds of thousands. My sister would have had, you know, maybe four or five thousand photographs and and so you know she was the collator of that so in a sense we look at them as a photograph is a snippet of time when that when that photo is taken but in a sense that's our, uh, our dreaming too mm. they're the memories we try and hold memories in our mind but photographs are exactly the same thing mm. of that certain instant when that photo was taken yeah. So our dreaming. So there are people in our, you know, in in all our family. There are people who, who are the great cooks in our family. Our mothers and and so forth. There are there are, and I believe that I'm the protector of my family songline. The protector of all our all our songs. I'm just a conduit for all that. You know what I mean? Mm. So. Yeah, so I take on that responsibility, and that's why I, I, uh, I felt it my responsibility to write Songlines of a Mati Mati Man, mm. which is an individual Songlines of a Mati Mati Man. People would see that it's about my story. I can't talk about me unless I talk about my family. Mm. And yeah. so I writ with my family Songlines of a Mati Mati Man um, and uh, a Kylie Belly. We needed somebody to articulate all the, all the yarns and all the dreaming and the stories that came along with me being me. Mm. Couldn't do it without, yeah. It's interesting you should sort of talk about it, but um, I got asked a while back. You ever heard of Men of Letters? Men of... Men of Letters. Letters, no. No, I'll show you. There's a heap of us, about 12 men. Les Twentyman, Dylan Lewis. Do you remember Dylan Lewis? Recovery? Yeah, yeah. Les Twentyman is a, is a social worker out in Footscray or somewhere. Few actors, Johnny Van Gogh's, Triple R and so forth. He had to write a letter to somebody of influence. I written mine to my mum. A woman who has influenced you in your, in your life. Mm. But I don't, I don't consider that I will stop learning when I die. To say a woman who has influenced me in my life is suggesting that we stop learning when we're dead. Okay. Yeah. Because we're talking about the physicality of a human being. But as Aboriginal people, as soon as we enter our, enter our dreaming, we become ancestors. You feel that we're still learning? Yes. Like when we... Yes. So, yes. I guess I didn't intend to kind of get, get into <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. talking about That's spiritual freaky. stuff, but it, it is... That's freaky. It, it does, yeah. does warrant me asking yeah, yeah. what you think happens when we die then. Yeah, we become ancestors. Yeah, uh, but then are we changing like we're still learning or we will forever learn I think okay 
Yeah. In what realm are we as ancestors? You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, because I haven't entered there yet. It's like when you're asleep, do we stop listening? Uh, yeah. Why? Maybe we stop hearing. Um, we, we don't stop hearing, but I think we stop listening. Because I What's guess the our, difference, sir? Well, listening, you're, you're paying attention. Uh, yeah. you know, like, say, with the sound of the, the wind going through the leaves. When I focus so on what, it, yes. I so can what happens, listen to it. Yeah, because our listening is actually being registered by our memory, isn't it? Um, I, I guess our, maybe more our consciousness mm. is we only have one thing that we can really focus Do. on at one time, yet all these sounds are, are still happening around, like there's the birds and when we're engaged in conversation, I'm, I'm not listening to the birds. But so, when, so when we're, so let's say we're in a coma. Yeah. Why do people keep conversating to you when we talk about our, our ears are just supposedly for audio listening? Mm. But there's a part of us when you talk to the spirit. At, at yeah. Okay. That, that's, that's making yeah. a bit of sense yeah. to me in, in regards to like how much I'm appreciating the sounds here, mm. yeah, I can choose to listen in mm. closely to the wind and the leaves and the, and the mm. birds, mm. but then we're having this conversation and then though this is where my focus is and this mm. is what I'm listening to, mm. I still feel that it does have an influence mm. on my spirit, you know, mm. as opposed to where I'm living at the moment, mm. there's a lot of construction noise happening, so I'm, yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. hearing jackhammers yeah. and yeah. A whole lot of mechanical equipment and hammers. But and it's all—it's all to do with spirit of country too, I, I believe. Whether there's a, you know, st there still would be a spirit of country in Abbotsford or Collingwood or Fitzroy, but it's so densified and and so many um, outside influences, you know. So, what is spirit of country then? It goes back to that, goes back to your belief system too. If you have strong belief in spirit of country and doesn't matter if you're in a submarine or in, a, in an iron lung, you know, there's undoubted, it's, it's, it's about knowing that if you truly believe that you can connect to that you know yeah and our dreaming is is running unincomparable i don't know if that's a word uh, it, it makes sense yeah yeah it can't be suppressed if you truly believe but i wrote this to my mum right mm. yeah hey mum kutcher here Sorry it's been a while since our last correspondence, but I've been so busy and I find it hard to get the time to do what I'm doing now, writing you a letter. Well, not that I don't like to do it, but I finally managed to find half an hour to try and do this and also make sure you're okay. 
Let me tell you, it feels so weird writing this letter on an iPhone 6. And trying to manoeuvre my big thumbs around the keypad isn't that easy. But I suppose that's the way of the times here in 2017. As I sit here at home on Phillip Island and think back over the years and the five decades I've been alive, trying to determine and articulate what is it that makes me me? But can someone tell me why am I still here while many of our family members have entered the dreaming? Nanny Alice, your mum. Pop Bill, your dad. Poppy Yorkie, your second father. Dad, Nugget, your husband. Nana Teresa, dad's mum. Grandfather Ted, dad's dad. Teresa, your little angel. Reg, who we called Gook, your big son, and the reason why we all back for the Hawks. Wally, the funniest one of the twelve, uh, the lot of us. Alice, your darling big daughter. But can I also say we've been through so many transitions and eras that I can't really put a finger on which one has had the most influence or impact. So, I'll go back to the beginning. I know people would expect me to go back to the day I was born, the 15th of the 11th, 1965. But before I do, I need you to take a quick look at the first of three photos I've sent you. This one is of Dad, yourself, and in Dad's big arms is Arthur, your firstborn. Now, I'm not quite sure, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this photo taken on Balranald Mission at least 12 years before I was born? That's a photo of my dad, my mum, and my eldest brother. Yeah, right. Yeah. The reason I asked you this question, and you've probably heard me say this many times before, is that as a proud mutty mutty yorta yorta man, I know our belief system is different to that of non-Aboriginal people. I believe that the beginning for me was when the ancestors decided way before my conception as to when I was to enter this world and this place to begin this long journey. Going way back and trying to remember those yarns about when I was born on the banks of the Murrumbidgee River in that little township called Barrel-Lanold in southern New South Wales, where it seemed so long ago. Mum, is it true when I hear stories that I was the little pastor parcel mission baby? The one that was handed around like a little gift from hand to hand. Everyone wanting to take me home to their place and parade me and show me off. But realising that after a couple of hours that I had to be brought back home to you, Dad, and all the other kids. So, let's go through all your kids. As you would know of all people, there are 12 of us. Arthur, with the nickname Nug, Eric, Mick, Reg, Gook, Dave Gravy, Alice Joe, Wally Puck, Maria Puss, Teresa Sis, Kutcher, Dorothy, who we call Dory Evans, Alan, Todge, Jason, Ned. But can you remember the first decade? from 1965 to 1975, or more to the point, do you remember this photo that I've sent you? And that's a photo. Me there. Yep. Uh, cousin, uh, elder cousin, Mary, my sister Maria, and my sister Alice. Yeah, right. Mum, obviously I don't remember taking this photo, but I certainly remember receiving it. 
back in 2007 when we were writing our family theatre show, Songlines of a Mutty Mutty Man. And the director, Kylie Belling, asked if I had any photos of myself as a child. And, I, and with a quick, a quick reply, I answered no. Not knowing it then, that, at, that sitting at the creative development table with two of my older brothers, that one of them would that night drive all the way to Albury on the Victoria-New South Wales border to ask our big sister, cousin Mary, if by any chance she had any photos of me. Then lo and behold, the following morning, back at that same table, my big brother Dave gently places this photo on the table and says, there you go, mate. Now you have a photo of yourself when you're a baby. And geez, look at, have a look at me. You're then baby boy standing with so much excitement and dreams in his eyes. And there standing behind me is your namesake and niece Mary, the one who gave us this photo. While both, on both sides of me are my sisters, big sister Alice to my left and Maria to my right, always ready to protect their baby brother from anyone or anything that would seem to be a threat at the time. Little did we know, especially you and Dad, that that threat would come only a few weeks after this photo was taken, the threat being the assimilation policies of the Commonwealth and the ignorance at the time. Pains me to say it, Mum, but it would be the last time we'd see each other for over four and a half long years. With six of us being taken by DHS and taken down to Melbourne and placed in Arana Methodist Children's Home in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, I don't know if you've ever seen or remember when this photo, third photo, was taken. And that's me down the bottom there. Yep. It was taken on the day you came to visit us when I was about six years old and there, and we were told we had a visitor at Arana. So we ran all the way home to see who that visitor was, standing in the land room of our cottage, Kawinda where you and my big brother Dave, he dressed in his naval cadet uniform that day because he wanted to look good for us. I can see you looking down towards me to see if I'm okay. Then I recall just three hours later, you both being asked to leave and head back to where you had just traveled from, Swan Hill or Nye West, I think. Hey mum, there are so many yarns that we still need to share and four decades to go through. So let's keep the channels open as we know, we don't just need letters to communicate. Why don't we think about maybe Skyping in for our next communication? Technology, Mum. Let's see how good it really is for blackfellas. <laughs> Mum, I'm getting really tired, so I think I'll round off just for now. P.S. Can you please make sure you give my love to Nanny Alice, Pop Bell, Pop Yorkie, Dad, Nana Teresa, Grandfather Ted, Teresa, Reg, Wally Alice, and all the other family members who are sadly missed down there. Please give them all a kiss and cuddle from me. I want you to know that we miss you all, but love the fact that you are no longer in so much pain and have no ailments in that special place of the dreaming. Well, Mum, I know you're still looking down on me to make sure I'm okay. Love and miss you, Mum. Rest in peace, your ninth child, Kutcher. That's beautiful. And so, yeah. I still conversate with my mother and because I have this belief system that cannot be rattled or persuaded. Because if I if I deny myself of that, 
I'm denying myself of my connection. Mm. And language is a big part of that. And knowing, knowing that there would have been processes and business. So I don't, I don't budge from that, James. Never, never will. I can't. Your language is just this small smidgen of it, of the knowingness and the connection. It's the tip of the, you know, you know how you see, see Uluru, but underneath the bit that sits up on the top of the terra firma, there's so much underneath Uluru that is unseen, but our people have seen it. And our people know it's there. Yeah. Used to snow there, you know? Yeah. In Uluru. That's how much the winds of, of time have, have changed the landscape, you know? I don't so, know if that sort of yeah. answers your... No, no, no. It's, 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 yeah. all, it's all fascinating. So, yeah. just wondering, so you were taken at 18 months mm. and then you made it back to living with your mother at at, at, at 13. Mm. So how was it once you got back to family? You're relearning, you know, you're relearning what it is. But it's that old saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. That's the same with Aboriginality. Even when you're in Irana, in Irana yeah. were there other Aboriginal? We'd uh, see, we'd see cousins. There we'd see, yeah, we, we'd see. We knew that there are other Aboriginal kids there who were distantly related to us, but we didn't know how. Yeah. And then it come to pass that they were from Swan Hill, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, and then we'd see in Burwood Boys' Home, which was right next to our primary school, we'd see these other Aboriginal. And they were Eva Joe's older brothers. Yeah. And uh, what's your name? And they'd say Arthur Edwards and Eddie Edwards. We might be related, you know. And it come to pass that we were their uncles and aunties, you know. Mm. And then I remember when Cyclone Tracy came through Darwin and this this little chubby Aboriginal kid got sent down from Darwin and he was deaf. Uh, I can't remember, Adam Gibbs, I think his name was. Adam Adam Gibbs or something like that. So you threw that corridor from Camberwell all the way out to Bayswater. I think there was something like 13, 14 children's homes. That corridor used to be what was known as the dry area of Melbourne. There were no pubs. So it must have been a religious belt from Camberwell. Yeah, right. Camberwell all the way out to Bayswater. So there were no bottlers, there were no pubs built in that corridor. Wow, yeah. Uh, but there were 13, 14 children's homes. But yeah, it must have been the, the religious sort of belt of Melbourne. I remember as a kid, you know, weekends hopping in cars and, and going on little fucking junkets for you know, four, six hours and people bringing us back and, and you know, I don't usually talk about it, but I remember, you know, listening to the Seekers, you know. Rock and roll and riding out along the bay, all bound for morning town, many miles away. And then, as an adult, I'm recording with it. Mm. Mm. That's the song line, you know. 
But music must have always been a part of my dreaming, you know. But then when you were there at Irana, yeah. and I guess you weren't allowed to you know, have connection to, to yeah. family and, yeah. and story and culture, yeah. Yeah. do you remember, was there any sense of your Aboriginality I guess, even, coming even through when, in those even, years? Even when I met my mum on that day, I was scared of her because she was black, you know? Yeah, right. And this stranger to me. It fucking pains me, James, when I think about it. Imagine, imagine her. He's my baby, he's my baby boy. And I was scared of her, you know? It pains on my fucking, on my spirit, man. And so, yeah, when, when, when I went to live with my mum, you know, things were different. And she taught me, you know, so many, parts of business, you know. What's yours is ours, but more importantly, what's ours is yours, you know. In mm. that possession, tangible, you can touch that table, you know. Mm. But it was more than that. And your grandfather would have done it too, you know. Yeah. Just imparted this beautiful way of what makes, makes him him, but more importantly, passing on what makes you connected to him. Yeah. And that's, that's what my mum did. Like I didn't really have a relationship with my dad, only in my later years as, as an adult, you know. But then I look back over, over my life and my dad, you know, and the yarns that I hear about my dad are, are that of a very strong physical presence of a man but walked lightly on the earth you know mm. his spirit was so gentle you know so where did your mum and dad grow up in Balranald yeah my mum's nary nary yorta yorta through through her mother so was there a mission there Balranald mission yeah. all right yeah there was also conjecture that my mum and dad and we didn't live directly on the mission. We lived on the other side of the area known as the mission. Mm. And so we were like the outcasts of the town, you know, because we didn't, we weren't really mission people. So we, when the welfare came along, you know what I mean? Uh, fingers were pointed, mm. you know. They're not really, they, they think they're better than us, so. Yeah, go after them. We'll give them up. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But did the mission still have a strong Christian presence there? Yeah, like, yeah, and people yeah. had to church and yeah. yeah. So your parents weren't involved in that so much. No, no. But you know, the, the my my father was a was a hard worker like all of his brothers, and that's where I you know. Coming Home To You is a song that was written by a third person, namely my dad, but I penned it, but I read it as the third person, my father, how my father would... I woke up early Monday morning. Uh, I woke up early Monday morning, packed my swag, I've headed out the door, said I'll see you late early Friday evening. 
She's on the edge, can't take it anymore. Late at night I sit in contemplation of all the pain I've put you through. Hopefully tomorrow you'll forgive me. That's why I'm coming home to you. So it's my dad singing to my mum. Yeah, not me singing to my wife. It's my dad singing to my mum. Oh, sweet. I'd, and it's, yeah, and it's I'd, compressed. I'd have to. It's using artistic license. It's, so you'd go missing for, for three or four weeks, but I've compressed it using artistic license to compress it into a week. Lie awake late on Wednesday evening. Thoughts of you, you're always on my mind. But I'm out here working at a place called Tin Tin Station, remembering all the kids I've left behind. Chorus. Late at night, I sit mm. in con. Oh, I have to, yeah, listen yeah. to it with the, you know, different yeah, mindset now. With different ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, they, you know, and, and it's it's channeling all these entities or or spirits, you know, or these snippets of time that that we enter in and out, you know. But that's what I'm saying. As Aboriginal people, we can hop in the fucking stream any time we want. We can go back to, if we truly believe, we can go in our dreaming back to 40,000 years. You know? Yeah. So do you think that is something within us, within our uh, DNA? DNA? Because yeah. I imagine your yeah, other indigenous cultures mm. would be able to do something similar, exactly. like be able That's, to yeah, that, you know, that, go, go back to their ancestors. Mm. Shape-shifting. Shape-shifting, okay. Yeah. Let's, say, let's say the Native Americans, I don't know. The indigenous people, they shapeshift into, let's say, the eagle or, or the coyote or armadillo. Like they physically... Yes. Okay. But that's, that's, that's what we do uh, when we talk about our totems too, yeah. don't we? Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I know, you know my family always you know, kind of thought that... The turtle, long-necked turtle, eh? I've had a bit more of a connection with my grandmother's side of the family, so... What is that? Up around Walgett, so like... Walgett, I've been to Walgett. Country, up that way, so... Ricky Walford come from... Yeah, Walgett. yeah, so his family. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I played a gig in Walgett. Okay. A long, long time ago. With Blackfire. And we went into the pub. We were drinking with all the Blackfellas. We kept on getting... Hey, hey, bros, cuz. Come buy a smoke off you for a dollar. Boy, this is when I used to carry Horizons, packet of 50s around. I said, here, have one. No, 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 we, we... I said, why are you paying a dollar for a smoke? Oh, they sell them over the bar for a dollar. <laughs> the barman. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. Are you kidding me? And then we ended up probably handing, you know, two or three packets of 50s to all the black fellas in there. And then time to close the bar, you know. Any takeaways? And he said, yeah, well, I've uh, paid for, you know, a couple of cartons and we're waiting for them. And they said, no, you've got to go around the, you've got to go outside and around the, there's a little window that they pass the cartons of uh, cans or stubbies. I think it was cans because stubbies you couldn't carry glass uh, around in Walgett. And all the shop windows were perspex. Mm. And uh, it was like, yeah, it was like 
We'd never sort of seen that before, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, specs in the shop fronts. Oh well, I, yeah. I know that. Um, well, I guess they've got, yeah, those those bars where it's kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. those grid bars to mm. maybe stop people smashing and, windows and and, and, the, and the fucking you know, yeah and the. the <laughs> grabbing the cartons of fucking beer through the little fucking, and the, they just fit through, through the fucking window. It was like, yeah, rough town, you know. But the people were lovely. It was the gabbas that were actually being, they were sort of scared of the, more of the gabbas than the blackfellas there. Eh? Yeah, right. I think, I think the carnival was being played out there or something. Oh, okay. We played yeah. on the back of a of a uh, back of in a the truck. Early nineties must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got up on stage and I said, "Oh, anybody here related to Ricky Walford?" And they go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "He's not a bad basketballer, is he?" And they all fucking yeah, they got all upset. He's one of the best yeah. rugby league <laughs> players in in the ARL, NRL. Yeah. It rained. First time in about eight years out that way. We went out to the elders' home there and we sang for all the elders. Can't remember who organised it. Said, you bought the rain. You said, we, we're, we're from Melbourne. We Rain's everywhere we go in Melbourne. Said, thanks for bringing the rain to us. It hadn't rained for about eight years out that way. Yeah. Then we kept on drinking and went up to the the bowling club. No, oh, yeah. There was a bowling club there or something. Yeah. Lawn bowls. Yep. Yeah. Went all hours of the night and me and me old brother, Heathy Rams and Selwyn's, Selwyn's brother-in-law. Fucking went all night. And we helped him drive all the way back to Sydney, you know? Mm. Hopped on a plane back to, in Sydney, back to Melbourne. Might be a bit of a change in topic, but mm. I'm just wanting to see what your thoughts are on non-Aboriginal people playing Aboriginal music or speaking Aboriginal languages. I guess... Um, Here they come. Uh, what, what are they? They're plovers. Ah. They're bloody noisy. Yeah. No, there's a fair few of them. Yeah. I oh, know. I guess there's white followers, you know, living out in communities and you know, mm. speaking language. And I guess we don't have that many mob down in the southeastern part of the country speaking in our traditional tongues. Mm. Um, more and more that people become exposed to you know, Aboriginal culture, they want to participate yeah. a bit more. And then, in my journey, yeah. I'm going to be looking to write in language and explore what boundaries there might be in the sharing of, mm. of such knowledge. But what are your thoughts? Goes back to that dreaming. Let's say beyond this, 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 these bars here, mm -hmm. beyond the, the other side of, other side of these bars yep. is not my country. Let's say it's, um, Nari Nari country. This is Mati Mati, that is Nari Nari. I don't want anything to do, even though I'm connected through my mother to Nari Nari country. Mm. I don't want 
anything on the other side of that because it's not of my dreaming. It's not of my law. It's not of my spirit. Mm. I don't want the gold that's over there, but non-Indigenous Australia would say gold is... You get so much if you've got gold on your country. But it's not my dreaming. It's not of my law. It's not of my business. So I don't want anything to do with with what's on the other side of there. Mm. It's the same with language too. Yeah. It's not on my. It's not. It's not my law, and it's not my business unless, through my genealogy, I'm connected to that. So it's. It's about. It's about business. And when I talk about business, I mean Aboriginal law and business. And so, it's not my right to want to. If I ask permission for it, well then, that's okay because the lawmen of that country are giving me permission. Yeah, I don't. Mm. I don't want that because it'll give me juju, yeah. bad business, bad spirit, and it's all about going back to that belief system too. Yeah. Yeah, and so for people not of the country of that language to want to speak it, it's way beyond. It's way beyond that. You feel that even within Aboriginal Australia, it's not someone's business to to sing in a, a different language or me i can speak on my behalf i've got to think of me personally because mm. i can answer for me yeah but i've been given permission by family to enter into certain areas that are sacred to the traditional peoples of that area see mm. but that's where the permission has been granted of me or for me. Yeah, in, on muddy, muddy yeah, country. Not or, only muddy, muddy country, yeah. but country right across Australia yeah, itself. Yeah. yeah. If I've been given permission to enter certain areas, then it's the custodians of that area that are giving me permission. Yeah. Mm. So you're now living in uh, Bunwarang country. Mm. What about speaking or acknowledging or practicing Bunwarang culture or customs mm. would you be open to that or is it still something to leave to only Bunwarang people for myself um even though my grandmothers from Kamilaroi country grandfathers yorta yorta yuan yeah I was born and raised in Sydney I'm now living in Melbourne yeah and I consider Melbourne my home and yeah. I have no intentions of, of leaving yeah. at least the... As long know, as the, you the ask, call and that's, that, that's that asking of permission, mm. you know. And, and you're not usurping business yeah. and law. Permission is, yeah, is, yeah permission is way beyond going and asking a prospective TO. I don't like the term TO because it suggests that Aboriginal people own country. But we don't own country, we're caretakers of country. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's going way beyond an individual and saying, are you connected to the Wurundjeri or Bunwarung? Can you give me permission to... It's way beyond that. It goes back to your belief system. If you truly mm. believe that you've done the right thing, Mm. By not only individuals that connect themselves to country, yeah, but you go to the country 
and ask permission way beyond way yeah. beyond the physicality of one human being who says they're connected to country. Mm. Go and sit quietly on country and ask them old people. That's what I base a lot of my of my doing on what I believe them old people would do, you know? Yeah. Doesn't matter where I am. Yeah. Doesn't matter in what context or or what part of country. Goes back to your belief system. So I point it to my head, but it's not about my intellect or thinking, it's about what my spirit is asking permission for, you know? Because I do hear a lot of the time that it is... I don't like non-Indigenous people speaking in Aboriginal languages. It just irks me. Yeah, okay. um, I know, wouldn't it be great if everyone in... Bal Reynolds spoke mm. muddy muddy, and that mm. was the language instead mm. of English. Would that mm. not be? But it goes. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I sit and I, I maze. I, I really, and I smile, and my spirit smiles when you hear the national anthem of New Zealand being sung. Yeah, yeah. By all New Zealanders, white and black. And they sing it with pride, you know. Mm. And you don't see white people just singing the English verse. They sing proudly in 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 uh, Maori language. Yeah. And they know all the you know a lot of the words, you know, Fanoa and uh, whatever the words are, you know, mm. which means family or whatever it is. And they and all the non-indigenous members of the All Blacks or whatever sporting team they do the haka you know because they're proud of what makes them new zealanders yeah when we talk about progressive societies you know those non-indigenous new zealanders are proud of their language their maori language you know if it could only happen here yeah and people have respect for the right to sing in our languages. Does it not make you feel uncomfortable? Like if it makes me, it makes me feel uncomfortable in an Australian context. Okay. That non-indigenous people are using languages, and and I can talk about you know the the Stewie Calloways and the, and the, and the Cal, the lead guitarist, to have you know brothers letting Stewie and Kel sing those traditional songs and communicate in Yolngu language and go through business and go through the proper Aboriginal protocols and law for them to be allowed to sing in languages. Mm. That's true business, you know? Yeah. Whereas... You have other people who just, yeah, I don't like it. If you've gone through business, then, yeah, you have the right, I suppose. Mm. And it's about respecting the responsibility that comes with that. Language isn't just about speaking it through your mouth and, and hearing it with your ears. It's understanding why that word is that word or why that word explains what it explains. Yeah. Just getting back to the idea of 
how you're saying like to sit on country and ask the ancestors what would be the right way to proceed as opposed to asking specific people mm. how would you know that you're connected yeah and you've entered into that realm yeah and and that you know that you were acting honorably with, with yeah with good yeah. intent because I could imagine that people can be corrupted by their own thoughts <laughs> and their own egos yeah 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 I don't know you just know even though I'm a bald six foot four man the hairs on the back of my neck they stand and you know because mm. it's your spirit your spirit knows not your intellect again you know? yeah And something profound will happen. An awakening will happen. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, I don't talk about it much, but when I had my heart scare in 98, you know, my dad passed a year, waited a year before in 97. And, yeah, he came to me in an awakening a spiritual presence and it profoundly changed my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how, how did it change your life? What uh, was different afterwards? I found myself way beyond the image that is me. And then it goes back to even way beyond that. The people who had influenced me in my life was the Jock Austens and the, and the Arnie Alma Thorpes and and the Bill Robertses, and the Gary Foley's, and the Dennis Walkers, and the Bruce McGuinnesses, and, and all these senior members of our communities who, in their journey, you know, and it all gets stored in, your, in the iPad upstairs, but it's not about, you know, the, it's all part of the pebbles that are, that are dropped before you, you know, they all make a ripple. Mm. And so I go back to those moments in time, you know. And the Uncle Albert Mullets. You know, you can just keep on rattling off. And Uncle Jimmy Littles, you know. I don't know whether we ever told you we was, we was at Nuckin' Yurubi. And me and Fiona sat beside Uncle Jimmy. and We'd done our song and we're sitting there and... Uh, Uncle Jimmy, you uh, want a cup of tea? Fiona asked him. Yes, Fiona. How many sugars? Uh, six. <laughs> 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 and Fiona, uh, Fiona went and made it. She told me she only put three. She, he wouldn't know. He wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> so came back and stirred it oh, up. No. There you go, Uncle Jimmy. Yeah. And she... Um, he, he turned, like, music's fucking happening everywhere. You know, Paul Kelly's walking past and Katie Noonan mm. and Renee Gayer and the Titters and whoever's, you know, David Lahar and Dan Saltman. So music's fucking happening everywhere. And he turns to Fiona and he says, OK, Fiona, what did you want to be when you were growing up? So they went into this conversation and, and it was so beautiful because he wanted to know the person who was sitting next to him, not what was happening 
peripherally all around us. He wanted to know the person who had just made him a cup of tea. Mm. That's, they're pearlers. Yeah, yeah. And they're moments in time that you can't get back. Mm. They're just memories that are implanted in your, yeah, in your spirit. Yeah. And they're, they're the people that, you know, have dropped the pebble in your life. You don't want to emulate them. You want to pass on something to somebody that needs it at that time, just like Uncle Jimmy did, you know? Mm. And the Jock Austins, you know? And that's what I wanted to do to Thorpey the other day, is don't forget these moments in time. Because mm. you're going to look back over our existence and just remember all the footprints in the sand that have been left behind and not only yours, you know? Yeah. Wind can blow away those footprints and somebody else will walk in a new, in the exact same area, but it'll be as if your footprint is the only one they see. You know? We all walk in the footprints of our ancestors, you know? Trippy, but yeah. if you truly believe it, we all have a purpose, Joe. It's a journey that you've got to go on to realise. You know, I can look back in hindsight that I made, you know, came to the tea intersection in life and with my mum and dad not here to persuade me to either turn left or turn right or the Jock Austins or the Uncle Jimmy Littles, I've got to determine whether to turn left or right. And only in hindsight can you look back and say I should have turned left when I turned right that time, mm. only in hindsight. But you've got to live with the decision, you know? Yeah. So is there anything in particular that you try to impart or share or in inspire for the young mob in detention mm. or in prisons that might help turn their they've lives got to, around? They, yeah, again, they've got to come up to me and pose the question. Yeah. What would you do? I can't. I can't read their mind and say, but I, you know, I, I can. I can articulate. Uh, there's an old saying: the most stupidest question is the one you don't ask. Mm. The Aboriginal kid wants to know how I how I made the decision at that time. At least they're up asking me the question. Hey, uncle, what would you do? Mm. It goes back to that saying, the most stupidest question is the one you don't actually ask because mm. you'll never get the answer. Yeah. yeah. And don't be afraid to ask Uncle Kutcher Edwards what mm. you want to know of him. I'm not the boogeyman. I'm the uncle, you know. Mm. Come and ask me, you know. Yeah. Mm. And before I let you go, I've got to ask for me going on this journey to... Oh. They're chasing birds out of there. Yeah, oh, there's heaps of birds around. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite beautiful. But um, yeah, so in my attempt to be able to um, you know, find ways to have traditional music or you know, have Aboriginal sounds come a bit more into the 21st century, you know, especially with younger people more and more looking to America for inspiration. Mm. Um, and then also um, 
these days it seems like a lot of um, yeah yeah it seems it is quite attractive to a lot of Aboriginal mob right across the country. Uh, to intersperse the two you're talking about. That's another question, and you know, like, is it plagiarising it? Well, could it be hip hop, or could it be like other forms of music? Could country sound a little bit more traditionally Aboriginal and less Hank Williams? Uh, all these sorts of questions. But just in regards to not only my own journey, mm. uh, which you could put me in the right direction, mm. or to make sure that I'm not doing things you know, mm. wrong by ancestors or even mm. like modern-day Aboriginal people, but also other people who are also interested in having more of that connection with traditional... Well, it's, it's, it goes back to that business beyond this fence here. Mm. If you're connected to the dreaming on that other side, you're connected to that dreaming. So are you talking about, say, my grandmother's yes. Yes. mob? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I find that interesting, I guess, because you know, I don't really have much connection yeah. with that part of the world. Mm. Um, I, I but, don't I, think but, but I would. I would go and see Yorta Yorta, for instance. I'd go see Uncle Cole. Yeah. Cole Walker. Yeah. And, and say, Uncle, he'd know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, say, is yeah. it okay, Uncle, if I'm thinking of melding hip-hop, trance, or whatever it is you want to create mm. with traditional... And it's up to Uncle Cole to give you his answer. Yeah. But what you're doing is following protocol. Yeah. And protocol is so important, you know, in everything we do. Yeah. As long as you go through protocol, yeah. and then the dream, your dreaming will also give you your answer. Not the physicality of a senior elder verbalising it. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. It's, it's to do with protocols and business, law. Just as we finish, plumber goes. Plumber. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, you're and right. Thanks you're for letting right. me share your balcony and yeah. looking out on on the bay and the yeah. trees and well, the birds. You're going there, but you've got to go all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, Melbourne's across that road there, huh? Yeah. Awesome. That's oh, beautiful here. I love it. Stand strong, stand slow When your back's against the wall Gotta look deep within yourself Gotta rise above it all When no one's there to comfort you Gotta push your fears aside Rely on